space-time, the ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second and contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Temporal Trek Podcast. This is episode 3 of season 1. We're in Voyager season 2 and it is the episode Tattoo. And we're beginning at timestamp 38 minutes and 32 seconds. I've brought the timestamp a fraction of a nanosecond a bit early, just so that we can see something. We see an alien place his hand on the chest of one of the main characters from Voyager, a character we've seen before, so we know that we can call him Chakotay. This alien is about to tell us a story about something that happened 45,000 years ago. You may be sitting there listening to this and thinking, hang on a minute, that's not time travel. Didn't you say that it was only going to be about time travel? And yes, that's very true. But when I started doing the research for this podcast, I started to notice something else. There are a lot of times where characters observe history by interacting with it in a different kind of way. They're not necessarily going back in time, but the events of that history are having an internal impact to the character. I'm thinking mostly this sort of thing from this episode, but also with the Vulcans and their touch telepathic abilities. Specifically thinking about the Enterprise episode, Star Trek Enterprise, where Archer observes the wars, the early wars, on the planet Vulcan, the barbarians as it were, the barbaric Vulcans as it were. In both those instances, whilst the characters aren't moving from our space-time to anywhere else, they are on a journey which will completely and sometimes fundamentally change who they are and perhaps where their culture comes from, or perhaps the culture of another species. It's something far more meaningful. There are also times where characters in the show watch a clip of history, I'm thinking of, say, TNG's Booby Trap, where Picard and Data watch a recording of an old captain who's giving his final log before the ship completely is drained of power. I'm also thinking of Star Trek Discovery in Season 2, when Captain Pike sees the footage of the Red Angel taken before World War III happens. I'm going to make a clear distinction between these two things. There's a difference between experiencing history in some sort of pseudo-telepathic way, and there's a difference between observing history on a recording. There's a passive element to it. So, in Season 1, I will be including episodes like this, where we are seeing history, but the character hasn't necessarily left the point in space-time. It will inform more for the character later on. Now, when it comes to watching these episodes in full, this clip will still exist, because the character hasn't left their point in space and time. As listeners, if you feel that that's kind of a cheat, it should be enjoyed at the time it's supposed to come round, and isn't strictly time travel, so it's not necessarily a temporal adventure, let me know. I'd love to hear any kind of critical feedback via that. I will uh, take it on board. I might ignore it. Don't feel that I'm not going to listen to you, but I might also make a change to the podcast based on your ideas. As I've said from the get-go, I want this to be an evolving podcast. This is always going to change. Bear in mind that as new series of Star Trek are going to be released, at the time I'm recording this, there are another four shows in the pipeline which have yet to be confirmed. What if they go on time travel adventures? I will have to reinsert new episodes into certain seasons. It's one of the reasons why I broke the podcast down into seasons, so that I could then go back, re-record new episodes, and then place them in their new time frames. So you'd be able to listen to the entire show in order. Things will evolve, formats will change, and I hope that we can sort of work it out together as we go. Let's get back to the episode proper. So locating 
our point in space and time. As I've said, it's 45,000 years ago, and this alien is going to tell us a story about Chakotay and perhaps his ancestors as well, and perhaps learn something a bit more about the human race. So doing some background research. As I've said, with all of these episodes where we're now in time, we're in our space time, I want to try and provide a little bit of background uh, to the time period being examined. This is ancient history. There are our descendants, the Neanderthals or Neanderthals. I believe it's Neanderthals now. I think that's the accepted pronunciation. And we see one of these in the clip. But to provide some background to you, by giving us 45,000 years ago, we are in the middle to upper Paleolithic era. The Paleolithic is one of those ones where I kind of heard it at school, but we never really went into it in great detail. Paleolithic history, the caveman history, if you will, was never really a big focus for the curriculum as far as our school was concerned. We covered it, but it was so, so quick. There have, of course, since I've left school, been numerous advances in archaeology and some of the findings and what we know of that period. Specifically, there is a breakdown of the uh, middle to upper Paleolithic era into different sub-eras or sub-events. 45,000 years ago places us in something called the Mousterian Pluvial. Now the Mousterian Pluvial is described as a wet season that does not involve ice. Of course I'm doing the bare minimum of research with Google and Wikipedia and I am not an expert here. But from that I gather that the Ice Age has effectively ended, the polar ice caps have receded, perhaps the rivers, perhaps the mountains are being formed by the removal of the ice caps from certain areas on the planet. It's Interesting to me that in the Voyager episode, we see this Neanderthal meeting another one of the aliens, um, similar to the one who places his hand on Chakotay's chest, in and around a snow blizzard, a uh, quite intense snow blizzard by all accounts. If the Mousterian Pluvial was something that was has been discovered later through, perhaps it just means that when this episode was made in the 1990s, if I move over to our production universe, that that wasn't available to them, that they didn't know that the Ice Age was effectively over. Or uh, we are to take that this meeting is happening at a point where the ice caps are still there, or it just happened during a point in the year when a snow blizzard was currently hitting that part of wherever it was on the planet. It's never explicitly said. To give some other background knowledge, if we go 50,000 years ago, so 5,000 years before this story in Voyager, archaeologists have discovered that primitive humans and Neanderthals were using very, very fine bone sewing needles. So we weren't just bluntly hitting things with rocks, as is the common way of viewing caveman-era technology. You know, we're not just using flint and stone. We are using fine motor skills to use things like bone sewing needles, which is an incredible advance. You know, when you think that... Uh, apes today can use uh, sticks as a tool you know that's a fine motor skill but it's still not the same as having to thread a sewing needle through bits of animal skin to try and sew them together and if it's a sewing needle that means they've mastered the ability to divine some sort of string or a thread or some sort of material that can be used as we would use cotton today if we go a few thousand years after this story so 43 to 42,000 years ago Further googling and research provided something else called the Pork Epic Caves in Ethiopia. Pork Epic, spelt P-O-R-C dash the word epic. Caves. Now these were really interesting. These caves uh, were only unearthed a few years ago, within about four or five years ago. And within these caves, 
were discovered relics, former pieces of technology that predated the cave dwellers who were using the cave for shelter. The amount of relics there and the completely varied uses of them and the different levels of technology involved have shown that this wasn't just a cave that someone was living in and just left all their things behind. They were storing these relics. They were compiling the technology that had been used by their ancestors thousands upon thousands of years before them. So the pre-Neanderthal era humans and the pre-Cro-Magnon humans and the Homo sapiens, the earlier points of the earlier points of evolution, the earlier homogeneous species who had mastered their own technologies, had been storing them in the caves as well. It kind of got me thinking about this podcast that I'm a human being currently recounting my experiences, rewatching old bits of history, and this pork epic cave. Uh, forget podcast it was more like a rock cast uh, it's a storage device for old pieces of technology almost I don't know I guess you could say they were like a museum so we've got human beings with fine motor skills who are storing and perhaps in some regards preserving their past that's quite an advanced thing to think of that their thinking was what about the future generations what if someone else needs this tool in the future now that could be for various different reasons it could be for historical archiving it could be some ritualistic reason i will point out when i was at uni i had to fill up a couple of modules in my schedule and the philosophy modules had been used up and there were no further modules available to me so you were allowed to pick modules in other disciplines i chose because it was popular at the time there was a tv program on channel four called time team I chose archaeology. An introduction to archaeology as one of my side modules. At that point, my lecturer on the very first day said, if anyone tells you that something is there for a ritual, they don't know what it's there for. And uh, so from then on, whenever I hear the, the idea that it's for a ritual, I immediately think, oh, they don't know what they're talking about or they don't actually know, but they want to sound important. So I'm going to say it was left there as a ritual. But it's still fascinating to think that even back then, the behaviour of humans hasn't really changed to now. It's just the level of technology has got better. Which is a nice little callback to last time's episode, when Q was talking about all of our civilization comes back to that pile of goo. Well, all of our civilization today acts exactly the same as it did 45,000 years ago. Which brings me on to this episode. This alien is saying that his ancestors met up with our ancestors and found that they had a love of the land and were nomadic people who barely had an understanding of fire and stone. One, this sounds really patronising. <laughs> Two, only have an idea of fire and stone. Just the bare basic amount of research that I did. Now I bear, bear in mind I've got the internet at hand so compared to the 1990s when the writers were making this episode they didn't have instant access to all information that quickly. The internet was still in a very, very early stage. But even then, we knew that Neanderthals were a little bit more advanced than fire and stone. Now, perhaps the alien who met that particular Neanderthal had met, I don't know, the Joe Hick Neanderthal. And it's the guy who was probably the, the least intelligent of them. I don't know. It's the equivalent of, you know, why do aliens always appear in uh, Hick farm towns when they want to abduct someone? They didn't go to the smartest person on the planet. Maybe it's that. Maybe this particular Neanderthal just didn't know anything beyond fire and stone. 
It's actually his cousin Jeff who knows how to make bone sewing needles and, and so on. It's actually his cousin Jeff who knows how to make bone sewing needles and things and they just happen to pick the wrong person. But there is a very patronising way that this alien is talking about humanity. And they said that because the Neanderthals had a respect for the land and loved the animals, that they decided to give them something more that they were going to give them a genetic inheritance. The alien then says that there were subsequent visits and they found that uh, the inheritance wasn't just about protecting and cultivating their love of uh, the world and, and the animals around them, that that had then changed into a curiosity about nature, about the earth, and, and probably led to the formation of scientific thinking and so forth. He said that their final visit showed that the people that they'd met, the Neanderthals, had developed to the point where weapons and disease were starting to wipe them out. Now, weapons and disease, now to me, that invokes images of the Spanish conquistadors, the British settlers, the French settlers, who came over to the Americas and the new land and were wiping out the South American Mayan cultures, the Aztecs and so on, as well as the Native American cultures as well. It doesn't invoke uh, prehistoric to me, to my mind. When I, say, when I hear weapons and disease are wiping you out, that's where I'm thinking. So does that mean that the... Aliens continued to visit right up to sort of the early 1500s, 1600s. I'm not entirely sure. But at that point, the story ends at timestamp 39 minutes and 29 seconds. It's been well documented that when Voyager was making the character of Chakotay, they brought on a advisor to Native American culture. It later transpired that that advisor was making everything up, or at least exaggerating quite a lot of these things. So it's hard to watch this now knowing that so much of the writing for Chakotay and his people and his traditions and his culture were bogus, were not necessarily the most respectful thing you could ever do. So I do take a lot of this with a pinch of salt. But if we are examining the Star Trek universe, which accepts that Native American culture is as it is portrayed by Chakotay and several other characters in other parts of the franchise, we are to then take on board that these aliens become the gods for those cultures. They are a revered part of their spiritual life. So we move on to continuity. And with continuity, we are talking about set of aliens who are influencing humanity not just in culture as we saw with say the Megans in season zero back in uh, the magics of magus 2 they aren't gods in the sense that they are taking over uh, a culture uh, and actively encouraging worship such as the prophets in season zero it's another one of those curious times where it feels as though this story and this episode of voyager is going anti-thematic to what star trek holds dear the idea that human beings are curious that it comes back down to that gene roddenberry thing of human beings are smart and they work hard as we saw in our own history in the reality if i step back to our universe for a second in reality human beings were already using fine motor skills they were already recording their history in primitive caves they were smart, they were intelligent, they were already curious about their own past and about the world around them. The idea of bringing in an alien species that is giving us some genetic superpower to change us in some way comes back to this idea of devaluing humanity. The same way that I felt about Cisco's actions in the final episode being more about 
the plan and design of the prophets devaluing Cisco. When I see ancient aliens, I feel like it's devaluing humanity by saying that those ancient aliens did some sort of work that made us better. Humanity and our nature is interesting enough. It doesn't need that extra layer. It doesn't need a god. But stepping back into the Star Trek universe, it does fundamentally change an entire part of human culture to think that aliens have then changed the way that they would perceive the world. So in terms of continuity, it's a big change to learn that humanity might not have been what it was had it not been for the visitation of an alien. Casting your minds back to season zero, when I was talking about my crisis of faith and when I was thinking, what do I actually believe in, things like this, I was actually reading all sorts. And I used to read lots about uh, alien conspiracy theories and ancient aliens and all this sort of thing. And I read Chariots of the Gods. I read that book, trying to think if there was some sort of truth to it. But even as I was reading that book, it just didn't hold water for me. It didn't seem to answer all the questions that I thought it would. It seemed to be a contrivance of lots of different bits of evidence pointing in the wrong direction. So on that note, we come to our next rating, alterations. I think you can already tell where I'm going with this one. Uh, I don't like the idea of an alien species completely changing it. When I was reviewing The Magics of Magus 2, they talked about them being there and observing human beings creating different technologies. There was no point where the character of Lucian talked about them inventing the technology and then giving it to us. It was much more that they were observing and perhaps assisting. Whereas this episode seems to postulate that there is, if not all of humanity, a large section of humanity who would not be special, who would not be good without the intervention of another alien species. And to me that doesn't ring true to the heart of Star Trek, to one of the founding principles of Star Trek, as I see it. So my alteration would be, the alien places his hand on Chakotay's chest, and the story begins. I'm going to keep the imagery the exact same. We have a Neanderthal, and we have an ancient alien meeting in this snow blizzard, and there are no other pieces of imagery to work. So this will purely be, what am I changing about the words being said? I would have the alien just saying, we were impressed by their love of animals and the land, and we knew that if we stayed too often, we would contaminate that, that we would change that. It comes into the idea of prime directives, things that we've seen in Star Trek, uh, you know, a very familiar trope all the time. So it may not feel like it's treading new ground, but at least it alters the underlying message. These aliens, they're worried that their actions might deviate those humans from what they see as a pure path. The alien could then go on to say that we wanted to remain in contact to make sure that they were okay. We looked out for them only in as far as to see what their achievements would be because we were so enamoured with them. It would be almost like, I don't know, if you were trying to rewatch all of history as a TV show, they love humanity so much that they're going to tune into that show every now and then, come back. Uh, they just want to see what the next season is. The idea of a, a, a entire alien species who treat humanity as a TV show. That would be fun to watch, right? So they keep coming back. They don't give this genetic inheritance, but perhaps they, they realise that their meetings continually bring pain and suffering because it changes the way that those humans act because they're you know effectively seeing them as gods and the last time they arrived was when these other interlopers with weapons and diseases so making it more clear that we're going up to the time of the new land spanish conquistadors the british settlers the french settlers and so on that they they were returning over long periods of history from 45,000 years ago to just a few hundred years ago uh, and they saw this big sea change coming and realised that if they stayed and continued to, to come back, they would cause more trouble than they would solve. That, to me, now that might seem more boring to you. You know, it doesn't have that kind of intrigue, the idea of these ancient aliens changing things, and, oh no, we're completely different. That, to me, would keep this section of the episode more in keeping with Star Trek overall. Um, 
it may not necessarily make it as interesting, as sexy as the idea of aliens coming and changing our destiny and all this sort of thing. But Star Trek has never been about that for me. Now to you, this may be a good scene. If you like this scene, I'd like to know. I'd like to know what appeals to you about the scene. But for me, it doesn't feel that kind of Star Trek-y that humans are something interesting in their own right. That nature is interesting in its own right. You don't have to invent this extra layer. You don't have to bring in these for lack of a better word, gods. So our next rating criteria is recommendations. So to Star Trek fans. Now I'm a Star Trek fan and I don't like this scene. I'm not saying that I am gatekeeping and that if I don't like it, you can't like it. So I'm gonna try and be as objective as I possibly can. It's dealing with a period in history that we know exists. We know that nomadic peoples were around at the time. There is a, a scientific element to it. Just as we had with Q and Picard 3.5 billion years ago, it's talking about the origins of humanity and where our civilization comes from. But again, it comes down to this point. Humanity is interesting on its own and doesn't need anything added to it. We don't need any extra flavors. You don't need to add salt to the pot. The food itself is nourishing. Now I'm starting to sound like a really bad beat poet, but that's what it's really gonna come down to. I think that Star Trek fans wouldn't want to watch this scene because it seems so against the grain of other Star Trek. To non-Star Trek fans, if you're a non-Star Trek fan, perhaps you were raised on the X-Files. I used to love watching the X-Files. If you like the Chariots of the Gods, if you've read that book and you really love you know, alien conspiracies and ancient aliens and you watch those documentaries and uh, whatever that guy's name is from the memes, you know, aliens, you know, that thing. Um, if you like that, maybe you like this this scene. This, this scene gives the idea that in Star Trek history, this is a commonplace thing. Maybe aliens drop in all the time and completely change humanity. But if you're watching that scene for that reason, I think you're missing the point of Star Trek. You've got the sci-fi element, but you haven't got the Star Trek element. So to non-fans looking to get into Star Trek, I wouldn't recommend this. Now to the godlike entities. This is just another alien species. It's never established that these aliens are truly gods. It's never also established that um, the Neanderthals that they visited and the later humans after that developed a religion around these gods. Now, I've seen the episode and I know what actually does happen, but in terms of this scene, it doesn't establish that. So to the godlike entities looking to do their binge watch, and watch everything in chronological order, but try and give some importance to it, I can't recommend this scene either. So that's three no's from me. All that remains now is our final criteria. Join me next time for episode four. We are going to TOS all of our yesterdays. We are going to TOS all our yesterdays, the penultimate episode of all of the original series. We begin at timestamp eight minutes and eight seconds. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you in the next time stream. If you'd like to contact the show, there's now a Twitter account. Search Temporal Trek Podcast at rider underscore coattail or contact me directly at hitch underscore Daniel. I'm also on Instagram, Daniel underscore hitch underscore writer. There's also a website with all of the timestamps you need to follow along. Go to ridingcoattails.simplesite.com dot com and click the temporal trek page link the show is always going to be free there's no patreon at all but if you wish to financially contribute to the show feel free to find my books by searching me daniel hitch on amazon and we'll catch you in the next time stream